With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Leadership Lean In uh, podcast. We are so thrilled that you're here. This is going to be an awesome, awesome episode. Hey, on this episode coming up here in a little bit is top five. And for the first time ever, we're answering questions. Questions have been submitted. So I'm going to do that in a little bit. But without any further ado, I have such an honored special guest on the program today. Program or podcast, you decide. I have with me none other all the way from Australia via Orange County, my good friend, this is going to be fun. Via, right? Christine Kane is in the house. Come on. I am fired up to be I'm, here. I'm you so know, the most direct way to LA is via OC from Sydney. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're going to have some fun because both of us worked with youth for yes. a long time. A long time. And before we recorded this, you and I just had a ripping um, competition. Literally. Ping, ping pong. Good old ping. We call it table tennis. And you crushed me. Well, you know, in one shot. But if you had given me some time, I wasn't going to tell you. Normally I go to youth camps. Yeah. And so all the cool boys, you know, they're just like, whatever, this old woman. So I just do that. I play left-handed for a bit, just kind of, you know, and then we'll start playing to 20. And I'll just go 21 love, 21 love, right. 21 love. And just shatter. And they'll listen to me. Right, preach absolutely. about anything after that. I saw the skills. Up close and personal. <laughs> this is real. Hey, thank you so much for uh, coming on and doing this. You were unbelievable this morning preaching at our church. I love church. And I mean, they feel like they're my family, you know. Yeah. I love Zoe. Yeah. I, you know, one of the things I love about you is you're such a church yeah. person. Yeah. Like you're so vocal about church, especially in an era where I feel like people are like anti-church. Well, definitely. I think it's part of the, the culture sort of almost anti-institution period. And so yeah. a church would be part of that. But um, I've been a local church girl. You know, I found healing and wholeness through my local church. And I've been in one church 31 years. And so, you know, people sometimes say to me, Chris, you know, are you going to go somewhere else? I'm thinking, look, man, um, every every house, every home is dysfunctional. So better the dysfunction that I know. After 31 years, I'm not going to go find any new dysfunction. I'm like, right, love right, 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 right. Exactly. There. Exactly. And, um, and there's nothing like, I found hope. I found Jesus in the house of God. I found wow. hope in the house of God. I found wow. fellowship. My daughters are in the church that I grew up yeah. in. And so you just kind of go, um, there's nothing on the earth like the local church. Church. And yeah. so it's, you know, I get to do the privilege of doing so much, but most of what I do is in and through the local church. A hundred percent. I get a little defensive, you yeah. know, when people bash the church and they talk negative about it and I, it's something rises up in me that like, no, you can't speak about Jesus gave his life for well, the totally. church. Totally. what he's building. A hundred percent. He says, I will build my church. And I, yeah. I think, um, I thank God that my life's given building what he's building. And so wow. I don't want to actually, uh, there are in churches and individual churches and um, have there not been some injustices at times, some abuses at times, some, yes, because we're dealing with a flawed humanity, yeah. but you're going to find that anywhere. Yep. And by and large, in my 31 years, you know what? 
most churches are having a go yeah. and loving Jesus, loving right. people, trying to make a difference in their city. Yep. Um, and so I think you certainly, I, I, you won't find me being a church basher. I'm a church lover. Right. And um, I want to see people planted in the house of God because yeah. I truly believe to my core that's how you flourish in life. That is how you flourish. I don't think you can separate it no. 100%. If you ever want to step into your fullness, your full potential, you can't separate the local church out of it. Absolutely. And for long-term sustenance, you know, I'm 53 yeah. now, 30 years, 31 years in um, a local church. And the scripture mm. tells us that those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. And 100%. even in old age, it says, and, you know, these scriptures now mean something to me. Yeah. Even in old age, they will flourish. And I think Nick and I in our 50s are being more fruitful than ever. Wow. And I think there's a direct correlation to the fact that we've stayed planted wow. in the house of God and the fruitfulness in our life in the world. Amazing. Well, one one of the things I love about you, there's so, so much that I really admire and really respect. I, I told our church this today that, one of the things I respect about you is that not only are you a preacher that I look at and go, I want to preach like that. You see, you're such an, I was watching you today, you're such an unbelievable communicator of truth and the gospel and the way, the way that you just add humor yeah. to the depth of revelation that you have. Unbelievable. Um, but above being a communicator, you're also this unbelievable leader. Yeah. And what you're what what you're pioneering and who you are. To me, you've always had whenever I get around, you've always had a sense that you have your 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 finger on the pulse. You know what's going on. You can is that prophetic edge? Yeah. How, how, do, how do you come about that? Like how do you how do you always have I feel like you whenever I'm around you, you're like, this is the problem. This is what's going on. Here's the solution. Where do, where do, how do you get to that problem? How do you always have your your finger on the pulse? Well, I think obviously part of that is a God gift, you know, yep. that I think he's given me a gift of insight and we get to travel the whole world. So I get the mm. breadth of the church, you know, from mm. the evangelical church, the conservative church, the, you know, charismatic Pentecostal. Um, God has given me a unique favour to uh, right. be able to work within every stream and across the globe. So it gives you um, a good holistic picture of what's going on. I think a lot of this, part of this is a, a God gift. I, I live, eat, breathe and think this stuff. So, you know, if right. I wake up in the morning, we could be having this conversation. I'm, I'm like this, poor Nick, you know, I wake up like this, I go to bed like this, I think like this. I think that's why the Lord has me all around the world because I'm just too much for any one scenario. Like I've been with your church today, we're like, you know what, we'll see you next year, Aunt Chris, thanks. It's like the bomb comes in, drops and I'm like, you'll deal and I'm that's going. Amazing. So, you know, that's it's, yeah. and so I get that. Yeah. Um, but I think God's wired me up like that. To, to often just that gift of insight of going and in a world there's so many conversations going on and, you know, I think in the era of social media and the mm. internet um, everyone's got an opinion. Every, if you yeah. do not learn how to discern what is noise, what yeah. is fluff, you'll never get to what truth really is. Yeah. And um, I think I wrestle and agonise because I love people. Mm. Um, I want to help hurting people. I also want people to find faith in Christ and yeah. hope in Christ. And so, you know, it's a delicate dance in the era in which we live to go, right. okay, how do you speak the truth in love? I think as a culture and as leaders, um, often we don't want to be attacked or we don't want to offend or we don't want to yeah. hurt. We want to help. Um, and so oftentimes it's a, it's a pure motive as well. But instead of learning to better speak the truth in love, we often throw out truth in the name of love. Wow. And so without truth, you're not able to help anyone. And I think I've looked at where I've walked through my own life and I think, you know, you have a background like mine, just so much brokenness right. that 
I think I'm so passionate about truth because it works. You know, I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, I'm here by God's grace. And, you know, we've built a global anti-trafficking organisation, 300 staff, 15 countries. You know, we've built Propel Women, 4,000 chapters in 77 countries around the world. And um, plus, you know, daily television teaching and preaching yeah. and writing books and um, speaking around the world. So the fact is there's, there's a bit of consistency and there's a bit of credibility now. Yeah. And I've come from abuse and brokenness, um, abandonment, adoption and rejection. have had to work through all that and, you know, just celebrated 23 years of marriage and brought up thus far a 17 and a 13-year-old. So I think you go, okay, personally, professionally, spiritually, you get into your 50s and go, I've got some conviction about this because some people that perhaps didn't, you know, think that this would really work. Well, they're not even standing today. Yeah. And today, not only am I standing by God's grace, but flourishing. Yeah. So it gives me an added conviction to go, look, we can get caught up in all the noise and the opinions and the discussion, or I can internally, and I think all leaders need to do this, wrestle with the tension between grace and truth and truth and love mm. and go, okay, if I'm truly going to help people, then I've got to learn in our culture, in this time, to speak the truth in love. What does that look like? How does it work? And so that's really what I wrestle to do in my messages. Yeah, I love that. Well, you you live it out. And I feel like when I get around you, you help me, um, you give language to things that I feel. Yeah. And you identify appropriately. This is this is the pro- again. All great leaders, in my opinion, can point out a problem, right. but are very in tune with the solution and the steps that we need to take. Totally. And, and that, that's something I really appreciate about you. So t- tell me, you okay? Because I want to talk about preaching. Right. Okay. This is one of my favorite things that you do. Is yeah. you're a communicator. You're a master communicator. So when did you start to really work on your craft? And when when was that era where you're going like I think I'm I think I'm okay at this yeah and I'm actually gonna give some some energy into into getting better sure what, what era was that? I think probably I was about uh, 22 23 when I went to Bible college in Sydney 1990. And the first time I spoke at a chapel, which was so scary, you know, there wasn't many women. But at the time, um, the dean of the college really wasn't into women uh, communicators. I didn't know that. I didn't even understand. Some people had different theological perspectives about this stuff. I just, I got saved and I just wanted to tell everyone about Jesus, you know. And I spoke at chapel who knows what I said? I mean, it was probably heretical. Who knows? But, you know, I was like a right, trying. But right. Um, but right from that time, um, God really moved. And I knew he had. People were weeping like something had happened. Apart from the fact that without ever having done it formally like that, anywhere I went, I was always leading people to Jesus. I mean, people yeah. now go, look at Chris Kane. She does an altar call. I've come in. They just shoved a microphone in my face to do what I've always done and what I do yeah. no matter where I am. You yeah. know? But um I remember that uh, dean of the college got up and he said, well, my name was Christine Karyophilus then before I was married. He said, Christine Karyophilus, after that pathetic effort, nobody would ever have you go and um, speak for them. No church would ever. I remember that the phrase, no church would Jeez. ever have you. Uh, devastated me. I mean, I was just so embarrassed, so humiliated. Right. I already felt, you know, I still had a lot of years to work through my past abuse and the pain mm. and the shame. Um and I could have walked out then and a lot of people would have justified it, but somehow by God's grace, I mean, I, I remember going up to the library crying for hours, uh, feeling like a loser, you know, just yeah. um, and 
the enemy really used that for a long time uh, to to where I didn't speak after I'm thinking, okay, well, I'll do anything else, you know, but that. And the enemy will always try to shame you in the area God most wants to use you. I've, wow. you know, found that so often in life. And then, so I, I thought, okay, I won't do it at a church, but I would, schools would invite me to do bullying, anti-bullying seminars yep. or, you know, just kind of your normal stuff. And everywhere I went, like crowds would come. It just, so I still didn't think about it, but I loved from way back then when they only had cassette tapes, I loved listening to preachers. I didn't realise what God was birthing in me, mm. but to this day I would listen to at least seven sermons a, a week, at least every week. Like there wouldn't be, uh, I mean, for my entertainment, I love yeah. listening to preaching. Um, Mama Joyce, you know, for me Joyce Meyer uh, came into my life in 1997 and has been my spiritual mother and when I, I mean that by, I mean, on a daily basis is is in my life as wow. a, a real mother. God really gave me a mother. Yeah. And so I have everything she's ever said. And, you know, she said a lot. <laughs> um, and so I feel like God God has had me up close and personal yeah. um, to, to really learn to live it and then speak it. Yeah. And she's helped me to understand broken humanity. She's learned mm. me, it helped me to understand the pain of people. Mm. And then there's the fire that God has put in me. Right. Um, and so I think the fire with the compassion mm. uh, and then, you know, living it through A21 so there's yeah. always fresh life and stories and living it through Propel, I think all of those things combined give me mm. a lot of credibility and authenticity with the Absolutely. generation. But to study the art of communication, I would say since I was 23 with intentionality, so I'm 53, 53 this year, so that will be 30 years of there would not be one month that would pass that I wouldn't read some book on some form of communication to this wow. day. And I was started uh, two years ago. I went to Wheaton College to do evangelism and leadership so I could learn um, from a different stream of the church, the evangelical church. I wanted to learn, okay, what are they reading? How did they learn? Um, how can I you know, make sure the next 30 years is more fruitful than my first 30 Jeez. years. So I wanted to be introduced to a new way of thinking and a new way of learning um, and a new way of teaching so that I can add something more to what I already do. That's and already great. I can see the fruit of that in the last two years. That's so amazing. there wouldn't be many that like a 52 and and doing what I do around the world in terms of I think pretty much most conferences, most places yeah. I'm, I'm there right. that would then say, okay, I just did a you know, three weeks and I did a 60-hour, part of my course was 60 hours of a preaching um, subject and it was just, it was fascinating for me. It was the first time I read a book on hermeneutics, first time I read it. Wow. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm 52 years old and preach it's around amazing. the world. Um, and then I just didn't, I didn't go in as going, well, you know, here I am, this big preacher. I really yeah. went in like I want to learn yeah. and um, and wrote essays about preaching yeah. and read books about biblical preaching and biblical teaching. Yeah. And it's like, wow, it has so strengthened my ability Jeez. to communicate. Well, I love talking to you about the subject in, in something that when you and I get together, we're always talking about preaching because yeah. it is one of our favorite subjects. And I think any anybody that's a great um, communicator, when you encounter or you listen to someone that's a great orator, you go, oh, wow, that's, that's beautiful. I could recognize how much time you've invested and how hard you've had to work to be this good. What would you, how do you encourage up and coming communicators and what would you encourage them? Do this, apply yourself to this. Don't, don't give yourself to, you know, cause I, I always think law of opposite. Okay. I want to encourage you to do this and I want to discourage you. Yeah. Don't fall into the, I see this, I can hear this in some communicators, but this is the ones that are listened to and have value and the content can get consumed. What would you encourage 
young yep. communicators. You know, in. of course, I've, I've got a strong Pentecostal bent, so we know that. So um, I look for anointing above mm. skill and ability every day of the week. You know, um, when Samuel came in to anoint a new king, um, he saw Eliab, the Bible says, and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. And oftentimes, and I think we've got to be very careful in our celebrity culture, in our social media culture, a gift is powerful. A gift can fill a room. A gift can entertain a room. Sure. Um, but Isaiah says that it's only the anointing that breaks the yokes and chains and bondages. So why do we see a whole mm. lot of people walk in and listen to gifted communicators? Yeah. But they come in bound and they leave bound because a gift isn't going to break a yoke and a chain and anointing is. So to yeah. be an effective communicator truly, if we're talking now, okay, so I realise some people care about um, uh, spiritual things. So in a, for me when it comes to preaching, which is, of course, the art of biblical preaching, yep. I'm looking for anointing as much as a, a full-on just communication that you would read in a book um, because – and the anointing comes out of the secret place with God. And so the degree to which you allow God to squeeze you is the degree to which you have oil to be poured out mm. because the anointing only comes through pressing and crushing. And so wow. you can hone your skill, which is awesome, yep. but that's not necessarily going to produce greater anointing. Great. It's the pressing and the crushing. So your private life better be mm. um, lined up with your public life. Mm. And so in an era that celebrates just the the development of a gift, the showing off of your gift on social media, the, mm. you know, editing of your gift um, so that people can hear what a great communicator I am. I watch people sometimes and you know what, if for one, I don't even like this language, but they can light up a room, yeah, whatever yeah, that yeah, means, yeah. Um, but nothing's happened. Sure. And so for me, I'm like, whatever, um, so what? I could go to Hollywood and get that. I yeah. can go anywhere. Mm. Um, I can go to a stand-up comedian and get that. You know, so there's yeah. a there's a the balance of knowing how much humor and what's it for and where am I building and what am I trying to do. I'm not a stand-up sure. comedian. I mean, sure. essentially I'm an evangelist and a preacher and a teacher. Yeah. So I have an assignment from God. Well, mm. I said when I take that it is not enough for me. I couldn't be a motivational speaker. I'd be too bored. <laughs> it's just like I, I right. realise that it's like, like I don't have like one talk yeah. I'm going to run around the world and do, you know, my, yeah. um, even if I'm giving the same message, it would sound entirely yeah. different in a different environment because I'm, I'm feeling where's God at, what's yeah. happening with these people, what are we going to do? So I think um, so, yes, get as good as you can. Listen to people that um, I, I study them. I, I mean, I don't know that anyone would analyze Bishop Jakes as much as me. I mean, I'm, I, I could listen. I probably do listen to him every day. I, I go back. I go right back Jeez. to like you know when he was a young man and anything I can find anywhere. I'm watching the master. There is nobody mm. like him. So yep. I'm like, okay, why did he do that? Why did he say that? How did he move them there? And why did he just flip on that thing? And yep. you know, so I'm always yep. watching and yep. um, analyzing. But on top of all of that. Yeah. I'm hoping that I'm allowing God to develop my character. Yep. So that there is an anointing and an authority. What well, people sometimes can't put their finger on why they, you know, like, well, no one's impartial about me. They might like or dislike me, but, but, but they're but moved I think, by me. I think that's one of the greatest strengths. You know, I was recently preaching somewhere and um, I felt a little discur I felt a little bit like, I don't know, but does my gift work here? Like, is this, is it, I don't, are you guys having a good time? I don't know if this is a good combination. Yeah. I'm loud. I'm Pentecostal. I'm yeah. all the things that, yeah. that we would share in common. And I, I, I walked away of going, you know what, as a communicator, I'd rather people love me or hate me because at least it makes them decide. Totally. 
They're the, going to have to listen to you to make up their mind one way or another. Yeah. Indifference means they weren't even listening. That's it. And so to me, whether, you know, I don't like her, she yells a lot or she's a yeah. bit too, I'm like, well, awesome. Because there's, least a, you, yeah. there's a group that goes, I love that you yell. Totally. I love that that moves I, me. It. One of my favorite things you told me about communication, you said this to me years ago, you said the validation is not in the performance or how you preach, the validation's in the invitation. invitation. Yeah. So when you're invited, and it reminded me when I was in Bible college, we had to go to chapel three times a week, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and you'd listen to a guy come in and I could tell in 30 seconds, you're here to, you're here to touch my heart or you're here to impress literally the whole college of how good you are. And I've always kept that with me that when I go anywhere, I'm already validated. I'm not here to perform. I'm here to minister. Totally. How did you come up with that? And how do you stay because like this morning I'm watching you. I'm like, you're 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 there at our little church plant and you're giving it everything you yeah. got, like like you did at Passion of 40,000 yeah. people. Same effort, yep. same intensity. How how do you do that? Yeah, because um I so believe in in the message that I think God's given me. So to me, mm. it is never a job. Like so I'm not trying to fill a gap calendar. In my mind, I'm not I don't do a gig. I can't stand some of that language, you know. I, I feel like I'm on assignment. So wow. when you feel like you're on assignment, I preach every time like it's the last time because yeah. it might be. It's amazing. I could I could be, you know, I'm going home after this. So who knows what's <laughs> who knows any of us, you know, what's right. going on. So if the next moment I'm going to be standing before God, I want to know. I yeah. want him, you know, to know that I'm going to get a well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah. And so it is life and death every time for mm. me. That that is the that's why I think people would say that anywhere in the world, you know. I remember I was in Milan in the back of Italy with like 40 people and you know, and I mean some of my friends just could not believe that you'd think I was a passion or you yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, a, yeah. a propel or something like what right. on earth, Christine? You know, you're, <laughs> you're here till two in the morning laying hands, right, prophesying. Right, right. Just go, and I go, I will never not wow. give everything. I love that. About um, you. Whatever that might mean. So I think when you know you're called, when you know who you're yeah. doing it for, and when you're not trying to impress people, now uh, some of that is with age, it helps. Yeah. You get older, of course. All of us are nervous when we're starting, and yeah. you want to please the person that's invited you. You want—I mean, there's totally. there's part of that, and you don't want to lose. You don't want to bomb. You know, <laughs> nobody wants to do that. So there's a, a fine line. It's so hard to keep your motives pure when you're just yeah. trying not to fail. You know, yeah. so I, I get that. Yeah. But there does come, a, and I think God gives you a lot of grace for that yeah, initially. Yeah, yeah. But there does come a point. Um, where the Lord will test you to go, look, because you can just pull out the little one-liners that you know are going to work. You're going to pull out or whether you're going to dig deep. So there's a difference between pulling out what you know will work and digging deep to get what God wants. Wow. And um, I think... I certainly hope I just haven't sold out to pulling out when I continue to dig deep. You yeah. know, that's the thing is like, of course, I've got a repertoire of 50 things that I know are how to move a crowd. Sure, sure. Um, but I've never wanted to move a crowd. I've wanted to touch individual hearts. And you that. can only touch individual hearts by continuing to mine deep. Yep. And I ask God before, you know, driving here on the freeway between my place and church, you know, God, help me to love these people with the way you wow. love them. Give me a compassion. Let me feel their pain for what they're going mm. through today. Let there be deliverance. Let there be healing. You know, it's like um, you don't always feel like it's the first time, but I certainly, you know, once I get going, I'm, I'm just in that moment yep. with these people wherever I am. Um, and I have faith that the word transforms lives. This is the, the second thing, and I think I've become better as I've got more of a discovery of this. I'm not at, at this point. 
I really am thinking about my style, my delivery, mm. my I'm thinking a whole lot more about the word. I've certainly I've grown in revelation that it is the word that transforms lives. So of course, delivering it the best way you can is always very important. And when you're younger, it's still, you know, you kind of like don't know how much you trust the word or yourself. You're like, you know, you're trying to right. help the word. You do it's right. it's a whole lot of stuff. But um as I have grown older and I'm more relaxed in it, yeah. um, the relaxed isn't I'm detached from it. That's very different. I'm not detached and I'm not indifferent. Mm. I am far more aware that this word, if I can just not hinder it from going yeah. forth, it will do what God has purposed for it to do. I'm that's, utterly convinced of that. That's it. That's it. And, and I, I feel like, you know, the text will preach. Very much. But but when you get going and you start really pr- teaching God's word, you can watch it heal people. Very much. You can, you can watch it, it. It never returns void. Ever. And so, yeah, I've, I've tried to just rely on the, on the authority of that. So as a communicator and, uh, you know, I love that really you don't separate really your communication with your life. No. And you said a line that went viral. Yes. It's a light. <laughs> We're going to go there. Awesome. But, but I just, I want you to unpack that because yeah. there's a reason why I said it and quoted you. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's so, and, and you live this. If the light that is on you, now let's be honest, there's a big light that's on you. The light that is on you shines brighter than the light that's within you. The light that is on you will destroy you. Talk to me about um, the destruction you've seen Mm -hmm. and the practice that you keep in your personal life, your private life to keep. Because you're, you're taking new ground. Yeah. You're not slowing down. No, not we're, at all. We're talking to lunch. Yeah. New things are going and stuff yeah. that's releasing. And But I get that sense when I'm with you, this girl is no joke. Yeah. The light that's in you, I'm... I'm I'm betting on ten times brighter. How do you do? How do you fuel that? We do, yeah. And I think, well, first and foremost, there's no doubt about this. That um, again, I think it's because I've stayed planted in a church, and so the thing that I am a part of is bigger than any part I play. It's great. And so, you know, and I say this, and it's not just I, I have always said I would rather be a small fish in a big pond because I want. Jesus said the commission is to go into all the world and make disciples. Now, Jesus is the king of this deal, not me. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how big you are, honey. Like, you know, like <laughs> he is the deal. Like right. he is the purpose. Right. So if you actually have a real revelation of that, you don't care how small your part is as That's long it. as you get to be in this thing. That's it. And you recognize that. The smaller part you play, that's not diminishing you. I'm not saying by minimizing no, no. you at all. No. I'm saying by right. by having a worldview that is so much bigger than you that you go, listen, we say, okay, there's a big light on you. By whose measure? There are <laughs> 8 billion people right. on planet Earth, okay? Right. So what? i got a couple of million that follow me. Really? Right. I, I doubt that that's 0.00001% of humanity, if that much, probably, not right. even that. Right. So- by whose game? By the little Christian circus? That's what I love to call the Christian circus. So it's the little Christian circus. Okay, so in that little world, um, who on earth is listening to that? Nobody. Mm. I'd rather go into all the world. Like, so Jesus has this big world, 8 billion plus people. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not even a bleep on the radar. Right. But Jesus, oh, he is. So I I think that realisation, that reality, Mm. um, that I'm part of a cloud of witnesses, I actually like really believe this stuff. I'm not just saying it. It's not like um, there's a great cloud of witnesses that have gone before me. That the most 
probably the most effective people for the kingdom we don't know. See, we confuse because mm. of modern culture well-known with significant in terms of the wow. kingdom. I might be well-known but I guarantee you there's a lot of Asian, um, like Chinese brothers and sisters in the underground church that we don't know that are far more significant and probably overseeing churches larger than any amount of people following me on social media. Jeez. But we just don't know how to measure the right thing. Yeah, so if you yeah. keep, keep the right measurements then right. it's I, I remember going to um, – to a place in Asia where we had the four streams of the underground church. Um, there are 500 leaders, 125 from each of the four streams, first time they came together. And, you know, that had big revival in the 1900s and amongst peasant farmers and hundreds of millions of Chinese people got saved. And people, we still read the stories, you know, miracles of smuggling Bibles and people having scriptures and mm. what happened in the church where it was illegal. And even now in China, they shut down another big church in Beijing. Mm. Wall Street Journal just wrote a, oh, sorry, the Washington Post wrote an article 20,000 house churches closed this month I mean so it's never it's not legal to be like a Christian and so they've had to rely on the power of God Mm. the spirit of God and um, anyway they invited me to this conference because with urbanization and globalization the young people have moved into the big cities Shanghai Beijing and they're saying Christine we're losing a generation like we Mm. we all were utterly dependent on God now with technology and money and you know the young generation basically is just whatever so Christine could you teach us leadership because we don't know leadership and we don't know how to lead young people. Mm. And then they said this to me. I I mean, I froze. They said, well, Christine, the only leadership training we ever got was how to witness to our prison guard on the way to our execution. And I just, um, I mean, I just froze literally. I went, you know, I'm not really sure why I'm here. I actually am not even really sure what I could teach any of you. I remember I got down on my knees in that Mm. room and said, I want you all to lay hands on me because whatever it is that you have, whatever it is, that thing that would say I'm going to witness about Jesus to my prison guard on the way to my execution, I said I might need some of that on on me. You know, there's Mm. um. so at the end of the day I say all that. Well, So, yes, was I then able to input? uh, you know, some principles because of globalization, that generation of young people, they're attracted to churches like ours and, yep, you know, yep. leadership like that. But I don't want them to lose the fire of yes. that that their parents had. So if I can marry both of those things, which is what I try to do and go, okay, yeah. um, that's the stuff that keeps you real on the inside. Yeah. And in our world, you know, we say if the light that is on you, we we are so eager for the spotlight and oftentimes we don't even know why. Like what, why, do you, why do you want the spotlight? Like I'm actually wondering like why because I've right. always thought two things about the spotlight and the microphone. The microphone is always in my hands because yeah. the Holy Spirit's hearing me all the time. It doesn't matter who I'm talking to, whether wow. it's the person at Starbucks down there. Yep. Um, it, uh, it's not just because I'm here and you can visibly so see a That's microphone. Right. That's so right. I tell people and I believe this before I was ever yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. I've always said, we've always got the microphone. God hears all our conversations. God is everywhere with us. And the spotlight is always on us because there is never a moment that the Holy Spirit doesn't see what we're doing. So I'm sitting there going, I'm not actually even, I I can't work out because, so if you haven't got some of those things worked out on the inside of Mm. you, then you're going to be looking for your significance and your security and your value Mm. from things like how many followers do I have? I am more consumed by how many are not following Jesus than by how many are following me. That's correct. And so I could tell you that at any day. I'm yep. like, like there are currently five billion on the p- people on the planet minimum that are not following Jesus Christ. So you know what? I'm not really concerned about yeah. how many are following me. There's right. at least five billion that are Jeez. not following him. I'm always – and I think – 
I'm, I'm very committed to sanctification. I, I want to be more like Jesus than care about how many like my posts. And I think, mm. and that is a true thing. Like mm. I, I think we're we're breeding a generation who wants to be liked more than becoming like Jesus. Uh, we're breeding a generation wow. that cares more about how many followers they have than how many are not following Jesus. And yeah. I'm like, that, that's just wrong theology. Right. Like it's just, right. and you know, it never worked well. I think. Um, I always have the fear of God, Chad. Nick would tell you at least every three months I have this existential crisis. I want to shut down all my socials. And um, I said, look, in the Old Testament when they build the Tower of Babel, they said, come, let us build a name unto ourselves. And I said, we have a whole generation. My whole branding is Christine Kane. Let's build a name. And I go, is a lightning bolt going to take us out? Because it's never worked well in Scripture when someone's built a name to themselves. So you see Absalom, it says, because Absalom had no sons to bear his name in remembrance, he built a monument to himself. Saul built a monument to himself. Sure. So nowhere in scripture where you've built a monument to yourself and the only time you build monuments to yourself and I think where you don't, then don't utilise modern technology for gospel effectiveness right. but it becomes something that soothes a broken place in you is when mm. you are not thinking of multiplication, reproduction, yep. generation. Yep. And so um, if you don't have spiritual sons and daughters, if you're not sowing into something bigger than you. So whenever mm. the part you play becomes bigger than, um, you know, the the whole, when you think, you know, I'm more important than the thing that I'm a part of, then really you've lost the plot at that point. Unbelievable. Hey, we're going to take a break real fast. We're going to go to top five this month's top five, and we'll come back with Christine King. Okay. Top five this month's podcast. I want to talk about who you're becoming. Now, I know, I know you know this, but I want to remind you of this truth. Who you're becoming is far more important than what you're doing. In fact, I would venture to say God is probably using what you're doing to develop who you're becoming. And these things are hand in hand because eventually you've got to become who you're supposed to become so you can ultimately do what you're supposed to be do. So remember, God's commitment, God is more committed to who you're becoming. Let's just go Bible. Philippians says, he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. In other words, you and I are under construction. This is good news. This is encouraging. We are all, un- we are all becoming. And the vehicle that God has chosen to get you to the place, the person you're supposed to become, he's using what you're doing. But what you're doing is not the main thing. It's it's really the bigger picture, which is who you're becoming. So I'm gonna give you five things that you need to become. Write down number one, become the solution. This is so important. I love these kind of people. Anyone can point out a problem, but a great leader becomes the solution in their organization or their church or their ministry, whatever it is, fill in the blank on the team. There's a problem. That's all right. How can you become the solution? I know there's a problem with fill in the blank. There's a problem with, you know, we need to get people on time or we need to get people to volunteer more or to serve or give or whatever it is. Instead of pointing out the problem, why don't you as a person, you become the solution. Culture is not what we say culture is what we do. So become the solution, literally, in your world, in your home, maybe in your family or your marriage. Instead of pointing out the problems, just become the solution and watch everything change. Right now, number two, I love this one. Become who you love. 
This is so important. I've got heroes. I've got people I look up to, people I hold up on a pedestal. You can never separate this. You become what you worship. All of us are a sum total of our influences. So whatever you exalt, whatever you lift up, you're giving influence in your life and you're going to become your influences. Choose your influences carefully. Determine these are the people I love, these are the people I respect, and I want to become more and more like them. Now, when you make that decision, all of a sudden, you're going to allow there to be the right influences and the right voices in your life. So choose your heroes, choose your mentors, and become who you love. Write down number three. I love this one. Become the standard. This is so good. Become the standard. In other words, you don't have to wait to see the standard or become the one you love. You can actually set this, become the gold standard, become the mark for whatever. Choose, Paul says to Timothy in scripture, he says, you don't let anybody despise your age, your youth, but you set the example, or for Today's podcast, the ex- the standard, you set the standard. He used faith, love, purity, speech, okay? So he's basically saying, hey, doesn't matter how old you are, you can be the standard. I wonder if there's anybody in your world that looks at your life and go, you're the standard for kindness. You're the standard for people skills. You're the standard for generosity. In my world, I was telling somebody recently, I was texting them, I was just saying, hey, just a heads up, the way you operate, the way you handle this, you are in my life. You are the standard in this field, in this subject. And for you, as you're becoming who you're called to become, don't wait. Don't just have all these, oh, so-and-so, and I love, you know what? You become right now, In this season, you become the standard and you watch influence, you watch people come and and honestly, you'll become a bigger voice if you just say, I'm not going to wait till years down the road, I'm going to become the standard right now. Number four, become Christ-like. In other words, I love so-and-so, I respect this person, so-and-so is a huge influence on my life, but the ultimate standard, the ultimate goal The person I want to be like the most is a guy. His name is Jesus. Now, remember, use Philippians 1 to start. For God, who started a good work, will be faithful to complete it. What God is doing in your life right now, God is making you more and more like Jesus. He's not making you look like your parents. He's not making you look like a pastor. Thank God. He's not making you look like your hero. He's making you more and more like Jesus. Paul writes to this one church in Galatia, and he says, I'm coming back to work on you, and I'm going to keep being dedicated to form Jesus in your life. Allow there to be some space in your life where you worship Jesus because you're going to become like Jesus. So, so so-and-so is an awesome author. I love this person as a public speaker. This person really inspires me by their, you know, hashtag, you know, grind, hashtag, uh, get it, whatever. All that kind of stuff's awesome. But there's one guy that's my hero, and his name is Jesus. I want to become, he is my model of servant, He's my model of compassion. He's my model of everything that I want to be. I want to be like Jesus. Here's the fifth and the final one. Become the leader that people need, not the leader that people want. 
This is going to challenge most of the core of who you are because all of us want to be liked. I've never met a leader. It's like, you know what? I don't care if they like me. Nah, don't you lie to yourself and don't you try and lie to me. Everybody wants to be liked. But leadership is not being the leader that people love. It's serving people and becoming the leader that people need. My kids want, they love ice cream. They need a healthy meal and a balanced diet. Now, I don't want to just give them what they want so they'll love me. I want to give them what they need because that serves them. Become the leader that people need. People need someone with great character. People need someone with a backbone. People need to hear the truth. People need your time. Be the leader that people need, not the leader that people want. If you try and become the the leader that people want, eventually, even though you give them what they want for a while, they turn on you because you are not the the leader that I need. They need truth. They need leadership. They need to be guided and even sometimes corrected. And if you'll become that leader, I promise you, your influence will grow in people's lives. So again, to recap, we want to become who we're supposed to become so we can do what we're supposed to do. All right, hey, we're back here with Christine Kane, Leadership Lean In. Okay, we've talked about amazing things, but I want to go, there's two things I want to cover before we close. Um, I feel like you're so genuine when you do this. You're very honoring to your pastors, yeah. and you give so much honor to Hillsong, which has yes. changed all of all of, yes. both of our lives. Definitely. But you being submitted under authority. So yeah. here's this, this rocket ship taking off. You come to America, doors are opening, and you stay planted. Yeah. You stay under authority. Talk to me about how did you do that? Because I and the reason why I ask you that is because I see a lot of people that start to get a little momentum. Sure. A little traction, and it's like, I'm out, and I want to leave the house that helped raise me. Yeah. And I want to be a part of my thing now and not this thing now. So I feel like you have so much authority on this. How did you do that? Yeah, I think it's a conscious decision and and that's it because, you know, everyone, um, when someone sort of thinks, well, you know, I've outgrown it or I'm bigger than it, I'm like, bigger than what? At what point do you get bigger than a local church? I'm not quite sure. Like, I'm <laughs> right. like wow, okay, well, apparently Whoa. Jesus is not, but that, that's you okay. Like, big. whatever, that, <laughs> wow. that's like a next level. So, yeah, it literally you go, and it's very scary right. because then it's almost like I've arrived, I'm doing my own thing. I don't know when we got so obsessed with our own thing because, mm. you know, Paul writes, God sets every member in place. Yep. And I think I have, I, I truly have a revelation that we are one body, many parts, mm. and that we all have a part to play and of course I of course the flip side of that is I'm under pastors who have continued to grow so they've raised the ceiling yep. which is you know the Christine that walked in 30 years ago yep. they've allowed her I said that at the conference in I wanna, Australia I want to stop there for one yeah. second because I do want to acknowledge yes. that, that some people get a bad rap for leaving houses and the pastors failed to raise the Absolutely. ceiling. Absolutely, and so they had to go to be faithful to. to what God so called them to do. So I don't want to bash that. No, me I either. don't because yes. because that's a yeah. big problem. A big problem is I got a I got someone I got a Chris Kane on my hand. It, it's it's rubbing insecurity. That's it's right. It's crushing my spirit. I can't celebrate them. So now I'm sabotaged. Now it's a Saul David thing. Literally. And so you know a lot of the credit needs to go to Pastor Brian and Bobby yes. because they continue to raise the bar. Totally. And I think I said that when I went home just now for our women's conference, um, color, and I I said you know in front of the whole conference to 
uh, my pastor, Bobby, I said, you know, it's very few women that would be able to, and, and you know, what we've got going is, is so huge anyway, sure. um, but that would be big enough to go out of that, you know, here's a daughter of the house that is in some arenas um, even had a wider sphere of influence yeah. um, and then still invited me back and, you yeah. know, it, and it very respectfully not just kept me where I was when I walked in in 1989 but has allowed me to become who God has enabled me to become in 2019. Now, here's my deal. As any son or daughter, who wants to leave a healthy home? Yeah. So if mum and dad let you right. keep coming back but don't deny that, hey, you're married now, you've got a family, that this, yep. you can, why would you want to disconnect? You're like, man, yeah. we could take this family name further. We could go right. further. Um, I think when it's, you know, when insecurity or, or fear, but you've also got to discern because, you know, I've certainly served along the way mm. under people that were threatened or insecure. Sure. Um, and so, but sometimes you've got to discern, is this a Saul and David thing where God still mm. has not released me to go? And I think there I would go. have left along the way had I not about different things because, and there were many occasions, and I can say that, where it would have been okay to go. Like seriously, people yeah. would have gone, you know what, um, based on who was over me at the time or whatever, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is um, unjust or, you know, you need mm. to get into a different soil too. But if you, in your heart, you've got to, dig deep with the Holy Spirit and yep. go, you know, David couldn't. At the end of the day, it was 20 years and 20 chapters between yep. anointing and appointing. Yep. And so you go, okay, he had to dodge spears. There were times I had mm. to dodge spears in the wilderness. There yep. were times like Joseph, I was in a pit and the Lord would say, I was particularly in one season of my life working for someone who was sort of leading a double life, you know, mm. having affairs and it, mm. it eventually became exposed and, you know, yep. it, it was dealt with appropriately. But there was a whole season in there, years, mm. where it was kind of hidden and um, I remember saying, begging God to be able to go. And I could have gone because I was, um, you know, sort of in that flow chart where I was privy to a whole lot more that a lot of people on the outside weren't. But I, I went, God, I feel like I'm in a prison. I feel like I'm in a pit. And at one point I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, you know, well, rearrange the furniture because you're going to be there for a while. And wow. so it's just like, you know. Um, Thanks, God. That's it. Literally, story of my life is like you know we yeah. all want Joseph to be a second in charge of Egypt, but no one wants to be in the pit when the baker gets out and forgets who you are, when the prison guard gets out and forgets that you helped him, when you know Potiphar's wife is accusing you and you're in there. You go, wow. We love to tell the story, but in this mm. era of outrage, man, we'd be suing them. We would be sending, and and God's like, you just be quiet. It's, it's, it's in my sovereignty. I'm not saying it's fair, mm. but in my sovereignty I'm allowing it because mm. I'm developing you. If you learn, Christine, the lesson you're meant to learn in this pit, well, look at the influence he's given me today. But yeah. this is why um, I can, by God's grace, stay where I am and not be, you know, when we talk about the light being on you because, I mean, that light that has been developed in me by the grace of God, I mean, it was forged in the pit of despair and in the pit of injustice right. and in the a pit of being overlooked, um, not being invited when, you know, I think when David, you know, when um, Samuel anointed, uh, before he anointed him and, and Jesse brought his seven sons um, before he right. brought David, you right. know, what do you do when Samuel turns up to anoint the next king and you're the king but you're not invited, invited to your own party. Wow. I can't tell you how many parties I haven't been invited to that now I'm running and yeah. I, I was supposed <laughs> right. to be the person right. and you go, right, right I'm, I'm there right. or um, 
or the fact that, you know, you've got to trust that even if the prophet can be in the right house and see the wrong thing. And at times the father of the house might not even see that there's a king amongst his sons. And so there were times that even if my pastor got it wrong in that season, do I just leave? Yeah. Or do you hang in and go, you know what, when it's God's timing, um, eventually God's proven that the pastor, the father of the house can miss it, the prophet can Mm. miss it, but God will never miss it if you stay faithful. I think about the longevity of your ministry and your life and I think so much of it goes back to the ability to stay. Yeah. Stay planted, persevere. Having done all to stand, I say that. I said the biggest, I say God runs out of options by my age because a lot of people have left. He's like, tag, you're it. I've got no one else. I've got nobody nobody else. I I honestly believe that. People are far more gifted than me. I was never the first one chosen. No one would have picked me doing this. God makes me look better than I am. But it's also that he can look better than he yeah. is. Oh, no, no, he can't be better than he is. But it's, <laughs> he can look as good as he is. But isn't that um, some? I remember Joel Joel Houston <laughs> telling me one time we were talking about this this friend of ours, and he said, you know, so and so, ten times more talent, t- the giftings through the roof, and he said, this is so insightful. He said, but for some reason, opportunity always came my way. Isn't that a fascinating thought? Opportunity showed up at my doorstep. I know for for my life, people are so much smarter and so much better, and it probably worked way harder. Some I just I've just kind of done the same. I try to just stay in this, keep putting my head down and my hand to the plow, and opportunity shows up. Stuff I never asked for. I guarantee your whole life you never wrote down on a paper. This is what I want. None of it. None of what I'm doing. Not even this. I wouldn't. I didn't even know human trafficking existed. How could I have thought of it? Twenty one. I couldn't have written it down because I didn't know it was there. I. I wouldn't ever have thought. Nothing that I'm doing would I have said this. But I did want all of whatever God had for me. Yeah. So so let's go back to that because you know part of your perseverance along the way. You you mentioned you know you were under somebody that you know it wasn't it wasn't ideal, and you've watched now. You you know you're you're the only one left. You know let's say that in your generation. And so what have you watched leaders fall to? What have they been seduced by? And what would you warn? And you go, this thing right here, or these two or three things, I've watched it really grab people. Yeah. What What are those things? Yeah, I'd say without a doubt, the two things, success and heart motives. So success will kill you way before failure will. Success will take you out. And so, and, and if you have not dealt with, on, I mean, I'm talking daily, my heart motives, mm. you know, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flow all of the issues of life. I think yeah. sometimes we don't understand everything. Yeah. Financial, relational, sure. physical, everything flows out of the condition of your heart. And our heart is what the enemy always comes from. Mm. So if there is brokenness, woundedness, you haven't dealt with issues, and it's not a one-time thing, there are layers and we are being sanctified through and through daily. So when you suddenly decide you no longer have to be sanctified um, and you're not becoming sanctified through and through, but you've arrived. Right. So the thought that I've arrived and I'm successful, at mm. whatever that means, then there's about 10, 100 things wrong with that on every level. Yeah. But to think, see, I arrived the day um, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ because the minute I became born again, I was seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So I can't go higher. It doesn't matter yeah. what title you give me. Yeah. There's nowhere higher for me to go. Yeah. So I've reached the pinnacle Beautiful. the day I'm saved. Beautiful. I reached the pinnacle in my position in Christ. The rest of my time on earth yeah. is becoming who I am. And so therefore I don't need to get status or I don't need to get position or title. I need to 
allow the Holy Spirit to continue to heal the brokenness and the yeah. woundedness. Now, you know, 30 years ago people thought I was crazy for talking about, oh, that's just women's stuff. It's like, I oh, know, honey, this is the stuff that will derail yeah. you. Yeah. And so in every case, and of course I've worked predominantly for men because men work, I mean, I'm 50-something, so in my day it was just almost exclusively men in leadership. Um, and so unresolved issues in their own lives, mm. areas of brokenness with their own fathers mm. or mm. their own just, you mm. know, a generation that was taught to just push things down, yeah. to just kind of go, yep, it's under the blood. The blood of Jesus does not give you amnesia. It doesn't mean that your past didn't happen. Right. It does give us a life beyond our past. But I think sometimes some of us, you know, who, who really have been brought up under the word of faith, we thought faith is calling those things that are as though they are not, mm. i.e. I'm not sick, I'm not sick. Well, honey, you are. Like, okay, if you are. Yeah. Faith is calling those things that are not as though they were. So I call forth my healing that's not yet manifest. It's mm. not a denial that I'm sick or yeah. um, or broken or wounded. But I think you will, we will all be tempted. If, if Satan was in heaven and the worship leader of heaven and pride took him out of heaven, I don't know how on earth we could ever think in a flawed and wow. broken world that pride couldn't take us out. Jeez. So success will fuel your pride like mm. nothing else mm. um, and it will only reveal what is in you. And the sad thing is it's not because success isn't success until we've run our race and finish our course. So it shows you initially that you have a wrong view of success anyway, that your performance indicators um, are the wrong performance indicators yeah, anyway. Right. You that's can't right. perform, you know, you've just measured it wrong. Mm. And if you're broken, your own need for significance mm. and for security mm. and for affirmation and and for approval, I think it will take you out. And I think in every case, I've seen that when I um, finished Bible college, we had a thing called presbytery where, you know, presbyters will yep. come in. And and for those that maybe haven't been familiar with yeah. that, it's like I, I've never met these people, yeah. but, you know, they're, they're prophets that are yeah. going to prophesy over your life. Right. And it's, but I remember, so way back in 1990 when I graduated in December, they came in and they gave me a scripture, I think John 2.24, and it says, um, you know, when Jesus came into Jerusalem and all the crowds, like, you know, everyone's like, you're awesome, you're fantastic, you're wonderful. Well, you know, you just a little while later, the crowd's like, crucify him, crucify him. Yeah, like, you know, and yeah, they said yeah. to me, Christine, with a personality like yours, they didn't know me. I, I was doing nothing then. I was barely saved. But, you know, yeah. they were like, um, the the people are going to be drawn to you because she's awesome, you know, or she's wonderful. And then, you know, the next week she's like, yeah. you know, terrible. He goes, but in that scripture it says, but Jesus did not give ease to man because he knew what was in the heart of man. Yep. And so very much in all of my life it's like, Chris, um, don't give too much ears to what man is saying. Take right. correction from right. the right people. So have the right people speak into your life, be under the right um, authority system, yeah. have the right checks and balances and then do not spend any time, and I really haven't, um, you know, reading my own yeah. mail. So even back in the day before the internet, because that's how old I am, you know, I never kept flyers that had my face on it. I never right. kept, like I don't right. even look at, um, there are certain things that I just don't do because yeah. I don't need to yeah. go there. I don't, don't really read. It. So, you know, I'm thinking people probably write bad things and good things. I yep. really wouldn't know much yep. of it because I'm just not um, going to spend, I don't research myself. I don't Google myself. I don't look at this. I don't say, there are just certain things that you go, keep the main thing, the main thing, yep. keep my marriage strong, keep my kids strong. And in every case, um, and especially in, in cases where I've seen over the last 30 years, either immorality or brokenness, um, it was either an unresolved need for affirmation or mm. approval or success um, and not actually 
putting the energy, their energy where they needed to put it, right. which is like in your most of them were married, you know, in yep. marriage, in family. So for us, home is the prize in That's my it. family to this day. Mm. Um, home is the prize. We love each other. We work hard on that. We keep home fun. It's not like I think, man, I love the road. Pastor Brian told me very early on, do not make the build a great house that you love and a family that you love. Do not ever make the road better than your home. That's it. And so, you know, way back then, and, and of course, as a woman and in the era that I grew up in, um, women weren't doing this like itinerating right. like I do. So, you know, we just, we decided for us, it was a personal cost and a financial cost that we're just going to do this as a family. I'm not going to go out alone. Nick's going to cut, Nick yep. quit his job. He, you know, came with me, ran the ministry. Well, you know, by God's grace now it's, it's exploded. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. back then it was not sure. that. And, um, but we thought it was more important for yeah. us to do this together. And if that meant have a smaller house, have a yeah. smaller car, not have as many luxuries, that's fine. It's worth um, it. Because I'm seeing the fruit of it with my 17-year-old daughter, my 13-year-old daughter. Well, I, I want to say, and I, and I honor you, I, and I genuinely mean that, I honor you because of the life that you have lived, yeah. the life that you are living, and the life that you're going to live. So honestly, it's a, such an honor to have you here on the podcast. And, and to have you at our church today is unbelievable. And uh, wherever you're watching this, I think you should just clap right now because <laughs> Christine Kane is deserving <laughs> Just dropped 50 to 75 bars. We love you so much. Thanks for being on. Love you, Chad. Thanks. All right. All right. For the first time ever on Leadership Leaning, we're doing questions. I'm going to answer three questions that were given to us. You can write them on YouTube or on our iTunes podcast. This question came from Carla Lara, and she asked, how do you know when to build someone versus letting them go? This is such a great question in leadership. When do we, um, when do we invest and when do we pull back on investment? This goes back to the ability to discern. I love this. God is so good. God is not giving you just intuition. He's giving you discernment. And there's times as a leader where you go, you know what? I know so-and-so's failing. I know so-and-so's struggling. I know so-and-so has really made a mistake, but I know I'm supposed to stay the course, stay faithful, stay committed. Um, I just, other people might disagree, but by the way, what I've learned about leadership is that sometimes people you believe in, not everybody else believes in. Jesus goes to, he goes to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, get down from the tree. We've got to, we got to go to Starbucks. And everybody's like, huh? Are you kidding? Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus is a jerk. He's a robber. But Jesus saw something in this guy that nobody else saw. As a leader, I've got to have discernment. I'm supposed to stay the course here, stay committed. Most people are bailing. Most people want me to bail, but I don't feel that release. That is a discernment issue. And so sometimes, even when people are trying to talk you out of so-and-so, I, I always go back to what I feel in my gut. I got to go with my knower. And a lot of times my knower is the voice of my wife. So I have trusted voices that are also helping me discern. Sometimes I can't mix up my emotions and my feelings. I've got to get a, get a few people around me and say, hey, I trust you. And maybe they can help give some light on it. Or maybe I just got to go with what I feel on this one. But I know that God has given us the ability to discern when do I keep my investment and when do I pull it out? It is a tough decision to say, you know what? 
for this season right now. Think about the prodigal's dad. The prodigal's dad's like, yeah, I don't want to give you this money, but I know you got to go. That it speaks to security and it, sp- it still speaks to love. Doesn't mean we we are against them or they're the enemy. No, it just feels like, you know what? For right now, I got to discern this is not the best investment right now. Okay. Second question. I love this question. This is about church planning. And this comes to us from Victory Center San Gabriel. As a church planner, what would you say is the number one focus the pastor should focus on? Now, I can't answer that for you. And that's so cool about all of us have a unique story. God has chosen to raise you the way he's chosen to raise you, and he's going to do his unique, specific thing in your community. So I often find that in order for me to discern what I need to do in this time. Now, what I was doing when there was 11 people in our living room versus 100 people on our launch team versus when we launched our church August 23rd, three years ago, versus what I'm doing right now is so different. It often goes back to a pen and a paper or laptop with a note, and just trying to study ourselves, going, where are we? Because a lot of times this whole thing changed. This whole thing, it just absolutely reinvented three, six months ago. I got to catch up to where we are so I can project where we're going. I need action steps. I need to discern where we put in our investment of time and energy and resource that, that can only happen with me clearly identifying first where we are so then I can decide where we're going. Last question, number three from Daniel Beeks. What should be the balance ratio preference in between ministry and studying? What are some tips on not losing focus perspective as a young leader? Now, everyone's different. I've heard some people say, I don't do, you know, any more than six hours in preparation on a sermon. I've heard some people say, I do 20 hours. And I remember uh, a guy, a great preacher saying, I put as much time into my messages as it takes me to deliver them, which would be one hour to preach it. So I spend one hour studying. Now you can take all of those and find your sweet spot. What I know is that every preacher has this point when they're like, I feel like I'm ready to give it a go. Now, one of the greatest preachers I heard always encouraged us to always leave a little room for the cutting floor. So in other words, prepare so much where you get to the end of it and you go, you know what? That verse is great, but let's cut it out. That thought's awesome, but it's not going to stay. This point's good, but I got one point too many. So I'd rather over-prepare than underprepare. And so make sure that you find a good, sweet balance for you. Now, you're not that preacher that you listen to. You're not that guy that you love, and neither am I. So I don't try and do what works for them. I try and do what works for me. When do I feel good and ready? When do I feel like I can get up and do this? I know my benchmarks. I know where I need to be. So I know where I need to be all week long. So when I get up to Sunday morning, 915 service, you better look out somebody. We ready to go. But all of that goes back to just finding your perfect rhythm and your perfect balance. 